Hello and welcome. Thank you for listening to On Resistance Radio this Friday. Uh, today we are in the studio and bringing you a topic discussion on security culture. I'm Jay. I'm Jay Squared. And I'm Bobby. Thank you for listening. So the topic of security culture came up. Um, what does that mean? How is it practiced? What are some tips? Uh, how does it play into the larger vision? Any ideas or suggestions on ways to start? I've noticed that since Trump has become president, that talking about security culture is something more popular now, and that wanting to be more proactive about protecting yourself is more accepted and not written off as just being paranoid as much as it was before under a liberal president. And I think that's like goes with the idea of kind of Trump being a recognized threat to this instead of us seeing it as, you know, this has already been a threat, like this was a threat under Bush, this was a threat and a continued threat under President Obama. So we were hearing a lot more conversations about security culture. We've done several shows previously about uh, security culture and I think it's good that these things are being popularized. I think it's good that we're discussing it. But I also think it's worth mentioning that now that people have this, you know, Trump figure as president, they are more willing to not just kind of, uh, what's the word? Kind of not just like gaslight the people who have been talking about security culture and the people who have been pushing for um, sort of anti-surveillance awareness. I was just thinking that after the election, I feel like there's a hypersensitivity, like being hyper aware of like what you're involved in as far as like talking to people and knowing that you're actively being surveilled. So like, I think you have to change or at least pay attention to what your behavior and what consequences that behavior is going to have on you, like in the future, if it's held against you in some way. I wonder about that. I think it's true that there's like this idea, this sense that the context has changed and that it's going to change rapidly. The practices that we might take, we need to be a little prepared for like, if those, if we are practicing certain things, what are other practices we can include? that not necessarily focus on minimizing risk, but take into account the structure that's been built to suppress any kind of survival or alternatives. But that takes also like learning about all the different ways that tech and surveillance and you know certain positions like the police have been developed and can be used. And then making accessible some things that we can take, some things that we can do, some things that we can learn. I just think it's funny that right now people are focusing on how uh, Trump is apparently keeping his own secret police as he transitions into the Oval Office. I don't know. It's just the parallels to other occurrences when this kind of things happen. It's just almost to even think of sometimes. Especially when you know, like, there's some sort of they're running on this kind of like uh, 
white supremacists. What do you call it when someone wins an election? Like a referendum? And they're trying to do all these things to benefit themselves. Yeah, and that goes into like the whole idea that like, you know, Trump is worse. And I mean, Trump, depending on who you are, is worse. And for uh, depending who you are is the same. And so it kind of also brings to a point of the idea of security culture. The phrase security culture, um, the idea that these need that some of these ideas need to be said out loud is sort of a white, there's like a sort of like whiteness aspect to it um, because so many of these aspects in our community are things that we are taught as children or just a part of it. Like don't talk to cops, don't snitch, you know, don't leave your stuff around strangers. But then there's other aspects that our communities also may not have access to, and that's a lot of the technological part. For a while, I wasn't able to use Signal because I didn't have um, an updated phone that allowed for me to be able to use it. A lot of these new, like, and, and that's the thing with a lot of these technical aspect of protecting yourself. Your web browser, you have to have a certain generation computer. You have to to be able to, you know, download a lot of these programs, you have to have up-to-date technology, which excludes a lot of poor people who don't have access to that and who are working with older machines. And so there's something I'm interested in knowing, like, why is that the case? I actually, I messaged Signal and I asked them, like, why, why don't you allow for older iPhone models to be able to use it? And they just sent me the generic response of, that's on their page of like uh, what, pro, or what operating systems can handle signal. And, it, and their suggestion was that um, if you have an old iPhone and you can't use it, then to try to buy a cheap Android. And so that's still to like a very privileged liberal perspective that you can afford to even buy a cheap Android, like that someone has enough disposable money to purchase another phone. And so I worry with the people who are creating and dominating the conversations of security are white. And so their perspective, you know, and white and privilege, right? And so like their perspective and like what, how they influence the conversation and how they're creating the tools is going to be influenced by that. And so it's really important that um, non-white people and that poor people have access to these things and are thought of because we're, you know, we're also the ones that are going to be the most uh, threatened by the state. I mean, I think like the double side of that is that like you see Facebook or something or like Google like giving away free internet in Africa. I think it's Facebook, but I feel like it's weaponized in the sense that they kind of make you dependent on these things, you know, and then they willingly redistribute them or distribute them actually to communities that need them and I mean who knows what they're doing with the information that they're gathering while they're providing all this you know technology to underdeveloped countries specifically which are usually you know either black or brown and I feel like the same thing is happening in India but I think it's I think the state might be doing it itself it's just like you don't know where that's even itself going to lead to, you know, because they're gathering all this information. And I think that's what, like, what all these conversations go back to is that the NSA and all the 
government agencies that deal with security, cybersecurity specifically, like are gathering information on, on everyone. And it's like, it depends if it's a company or a state government, what, how they're gonna maneuver themselves by controlling the internet. Yeah, what you brought up kind of reminds me that, you know, capitalism is also adapting to this, so they're just gonna market it as like a new thing to do, like a new neoliberal solution to do under the new state is to like, oh, now there's gonna be like 10 more apps in the next year, you know, about this kind of stuff. And so it's like, where is the source of this stuff? And then also, how does it get accessed and distributed? um, And like you were mentioning, this is also as they're like farming us for data, especially Facebook. Facebook is all about intelligence gathering and analysis. That's a risk that a lot of folks are taking when they are agitating politically online, which is why it would be interesting if there were layers to that too and there were other networks. There's also this practice of like the police and the state using the internet to entrap people and to charge them. Uh, It's a survey conducted by the Association of Chiefs of Police that says that out of the all the police agencies that were surveyed, 96% of them use social media, and the most common use of social media is for investigations. 86% of the, all of their social media use is about investigating folks. And they also, in addition to that, 58% of police agencies do intelligence gathering on Facebook. That's like over half or have fake profiles and uh, fake identities that they're using in different areas. And the most frequently used social media platforms are Facebook at 92%, Twitter at 64%, and YouTube. It's only expected to expand because there's also, you know, the, the surveillance, the policing and surveillance market, the body camera and camera activated tasers that police are getting. That's just an expanding market that's like war technology. So surveillance is, you know, actively happening constantly by all these agencies. And what you were saying about the phones, it reminded me of just how a lot of like, you know, if you're a fan of the government assistant buildings, um, there's always like people, um, and then in front of 99 cent store, there's like people who will offer you like, oh, if you sign up, you make a certain amount of money, you can get a free phone. And they found out that a lot of these free phones were being hacked by uh, China and the information was, uh, and the data was being sent to China. And and how like people who are poor being, you know, their information's being exploited um, as they try to get resources that are needed to participate in this capitalist system. And then AT&T, has been found to like actively created their own program so they can snitch on people and basically they have um, worked with local law enforcement and um, federal government to report on crimes that they're finding out through um, their data and so there was one case where this person they were able to use like the cell towers the person's location and what the person claimed for their alibi to give information to the police that basically this person was a part of a murder. But the thing that the deal that AT&T made with law enforcement is that they can't use 
they can't reveal that it was basically AT&T technology that they were able to find out this stuff. So they have to, so the law enforcement basically has the information and then they have to basically now try to build a case using what they already know. And this is for like, you know, and they've caught people for like Medicare, fraud and all sorts of things. So for people who always think, you know, well, I have nothing to hide. We all have things that could be criminalized um, or could be seen as interests of the government. And so when you have your own, you know, cell phone provider, which AT&T is in a deal with Time Warner, um, and now you got to think about internet, right? Because it's basically just AT&T and um, Time Warner. Then like, what are they going to be doing with all their internet traffic? And information as well and so that, that should be a concern for everyone I just remember hearing about the Patriot Act you know over a decade ago and people saying that all of the phones are being tapped and so I just feel like the learning curve is really rough with knowing this the extent of surveillance because as we know about things the things we're knowing about the military has probably been doing and developing for a long time so it's kind of overwhelming to think about how surveilled we probably are like surveillance is criminalization it, it that's why it's kind of ridiculous all this dystopic novels and dystopic movies essentially kind of having to predict the way things are to like evade from addressing the current reality of it yeah there is mass surveillance and Sometimes it comes in the form of reforms. Body cameras, I feel like that's mass mm-hmm. surveillance too. Like that's not going to be used against the police. It continues to be used against the people. Uh, so I think about it in the aspect of like, these are already tools being utilized on a mass scale. And then also like, if we're planning anything, if we you know, are creating alternative spaces or different dynamics, if we're planning oppositional actions, what steps do we want to create for ourselves? How do we want to self-organize to like make sure it's just not knowing that they have this mass extensive surveillance apparatus, like how do we kind of mediate that? So for planning and preparedness and defense. And then, yeah, I do think a lot of people are like, well, we don't have that much to hide. But I do think there's, there's profiling. I could profile you and like try to predict things and try to entrap people. So it's not necessarily about what you're doing, it's about like also what you're saying and what cultures are we trying to destroy and what, what, what environments are we trying to build or create and any type of collective action or organizing that's happening, I feel like. But I do think with this new figurehead, people are kind of talking about it as preparedness. I don't know, I see a lot of, I'm, I'm like, uh... I was just thinking about all these companies that exist that are tech companies that are selling like these, this kind of software where it is monitoring people or it is, you know, putting people in a database, creating like tracking their social circles, what they say, who they are, and like monetizing off of that fact that other governments like want to buy that information and that software and implement it in their, in their own societies because we're already doing it so well that we actually have companies within our country that are basically like capitalizing on the idea of like mass surveillance under any community anywhere in the world that that can buy this software and like unfortunately we're the guinea pigs and i feel like a lot of it comes from the advertising industry because you think of facebook what did they where did they make their money they, they make their money by selling your information to third parties 
that want to, you know, monetize your searches, what you're going to buy, basically like exactly what you said about building someone's profile. And it's using that information for shopping, you know, and like that can be used against you. You can be buying whatever. I mean, they keep files on people that buy certain ingredients for things or collect water or store in a massive, like whatever supplies that they're storing that exceed a certain amount, like they will they'll look for you in order to determine whether you're going to be a threat or not. So I don't know. It's There's a lot of overlap between all these things. There's the way that they're trying to make money off of it, the way that they're trying to control you, the way that they're trying to view you and all these facets. Like the whole aspect of surveillance is like anti-consent. And so the reality is that if we really want to be able to... Um, counter the surveillance culture we have to also counter the state and that we can't really expect to um, have any sort of leeway with the state because the interest of the state is to surveil us because to have control and because of capitalism surveillance is also in the interest of capitalism it's also in the interest of fascism and so I think that a lot of these things that we're talking about for me they always come back to having to uh to look at the idea of the state and whether or not, you know, that is something we want to operate with. Um, I think even if you didn't have a state, you would still have private security and um, private surveillance. But at least, like, that's one aspect or one layer that wouldn't exist. And also, um, a lot of surveillance technology has come from Israel. And um, a lot of the surveilling that they have done on Palestinians and they have used on, like, borders and stuff. And also it comes from the U.S. and Mexican border. A lot of the things that people have accepted and allowed to happen to um, other people, you know, is coming home. And so what the security culture encompass, it must encompass, like, a defensive aspect of, like, how we're going to protect ourselves and those that we're in communication with. But it also has to be proactive and, like, you know figuring out ways how we can compromise tools that are used against us, um, figuring out how we can exploit what is being used against us, understanding what is being used against us, and also just understanding the technology in ways. And that needs to be done by people who are not white. And I think like access to knowledge of that needs to be increased and in that it's, when we talk about resistance and we talk about movements, if there's not that aspect of it, like that is key. Like that is, that is such a huge part of, um, of a tactic that we will need to have. Yeah, I was thinking about what you were talking about as far as like what you were saying about how it needs to be like less white, as far as like who are, who has the skill subset to like grow these things into being, actual solutions that you can actually use because like not a lot of us have that information available to us to just create a program a software like engineer it and develop it for people that look like us you know and like how I think I mean you're you're saying that that needs to increase but in real terms like it's not happening you know everything that comes out it's someone that's white and it's usually because they have like the access to to create those tools you know, and like, I think a lot of that is a reflection of the economics of this, because I feel like that's the root. It's always the root. 
who has the money, meaning who has the access, who has the time, who has the leisure time to do these things and like to be able to learn them on top of that. I feel like there's there's some knowledge that's like, um, like it's also about how we talk about things that was brought up earlier, like word of mouth. And there's also always the overlap of just operating as though you might be infiltrated and like creating agreements around how you interact based knowing that it's a practice that's done. It's kind of like, like don't brag about things. If you're planning something, it's exciting, but you know, talk about it on a need to know basis with whoever's involved. And it's also just about like kind of the culture of how we talk about things. So I feel like there's that level. If we are communicating about things over phone lines or over the internet, that's where it starts getting inaccessible. And the thing is, it's accessible to use those means to talk because we can't always meet in person all the time or there's also transportation. We've seen online social media be used in a lot of uprisings to catalyze people and to be like, oh, where are you at? So I think there's there's that aspect of when, when something's actually happening, how do we use the internet if there's an uprising? And then there's like planning. If you're planning something with a group of people, like what was highlighted earlier about having to have a context of the state is really important because a lot of folks are are being like, oh, we should talk about preparing for Trump, but it's within like this context that doesn't question that the structure that Trump is inheriting, you know, has been functioning for a long time and has been legitimized for a long time. And a lot of the people that are just now kind of being outraged at the at the Trump fallout aren't engaged in another way in other ways. I also think it's important to remember that like the feds have been surveilling and tapping people since they've existed. That's just like what spooks do. <laughs> um, and I think because of like the culture around like sort of um, romanticizing and glamorizing espionage and spies with movies like James Bond and and TV shows and stuff where it's like sexy we've kind of like been taught to accept it and that it's always the other who they're doing it with but like the technology has been advancing for that forever so the thing that hasn't for me I really haven't seen like change as much as I would like to like I think the word paranoid really needs to die I think that we're not aware enough of what is happening and and it puts everyone in danger because like I could do as much as I can do but like if someone else is doing isn't doing it on their end that still like affects me and I think that it needs to be security culture needs to be think of like as a community um, issue I honestly want to get to the point where we have no cell phones or like no technology spaces because you know so much of it can be used as um, recording devices. And it's like, well, what are you doing to be worried about? Or like, or you're, that's your ego to think that like, you're a person of interest. And it's like, I'm gonna assume, you know what I mean? Like, I'm gonna assume that they are watching me and they're surveilling me so I can be, so I can make sure I'm covering, you know, and I'm doing the best to protect myself and those I'm in communication with, instead of not assuming they are and, you know, being neglectful i do think like there like you mentioned earlier there is a lot of gaslighting that happens 
And sometimes I'll even use the word paranoid myself, even though I know surveillance is probably actively happening all the time. It's just sometimes it's like an apology to the people around me. It's like, oh, I don't mean to just be, but I want to, like, can we, you know, be reminded about this? Or, like, what do people think about taking this? Like, precautions, taking precautions. I mean, frankly, you avoid the conversation a lot of the time, you know? You don't want to bring it up. For that same reason that you just said. There is that gaslighting element. I don't think it ever goes away, though, you know? Because everybody just wants to play along. To a certain degree, I think, but I think there's an agreement that you just don't talk about it also. Yeah, or it's like, oh, who do you think you are that you're being surveilled? And that's, like, kind of a really toxic culture because the state really is surveilling everyone, but, like, it's just, like, how lit up is your dot on the map because of the way that they like are tracking social media and influence and like how we connect just as much as they're analyzing people individually they're analyzing them in groups and then they're analyzing them like us in like a spectrum how we relate with each other online especially if they're studying us well, I mean, I feel like the same thing. Like a, a while back, it was like known or be was made known that the State Department was studying all these things because of like social collapse, which everyone is worried about. And I feel like a lot of that has to do with the, the economy and and basically everything that's been going on as of late, you know. And it's just it's weird to put it in, in that perspective because nobody wants to think about it on that grand scale because that's really what it is, you know. There's that element of social control that everyone is scared of talking about because they can't do anything about it immediately like within their immediate self and that's like too it's too hard to pinpoint the the why the what the where the when all those things like they add up to this whole single like overarching thing that's just too big to handle so therefore you ignore it and like you, you do get all that um, gaslighting from other people that don't want to recognize that because it all belongs with each other and it is kind of interrelated and it's connected to all the things that already affect us in different ways that aren't necessarily part of that but end up being part of it. And there's a process in what you're supposed like whenever I've talked to people about security culture. They're always like, okay, well, or when I've read about it, they'll be like, okay, well, you should do threat modeling, and which is like figuring out, you know, exactly like what level of like, um, I guess, danger is what you're trying to do going to be, and then dependent on that, then you know um, what sort of precautions you should take. And I feel like that concept in itself can be reflective on what your perspective of, like, how resistance is. Like, is resistance this thing you opt into? Is it this uh, thing that only exists when you shut down banks? Or is it, you know, this thing that you have when you're just walking down the street because of who you are in society, because of white supremacy, because of, like, different pillars of oppression? And so... I feel like a big aspect of what needs to be also brought into the conversation of security culture is kind of being more inclusive of what we consider uh, to be a threat 
and so and that goes into like other counter revolutionaries and like white nationalists and um, other groups who also want to surveil and have been surveilling radical voices. So there, it was revealed that these white national groups had created their own codes for different groups. So they had different words for like a black person or a Jewish person or um, a queer person. And they had a Twitter for each one of those groups. And they were going and they were finding different popular people of that on Twitter and basically listing them and showing their picture and what location they lived in. And so there's been lots of that, like they're gathering who these voices are with intention of, I think, you know, of threatening, of threatening and following through on that threat. And if they do follow through on that threat, we know they will have the protection of the state because in a sense they are part of the state. And so it's not just the state, it's just it's not just corporations. There's also um, other factions that we have to worry about um, when we think about protecting ourselves and our identity and who we are, especially for people who um, are more targeted by these groups. I know like in Mexico, what they do, well, at least the drug cartels, they'll hire or they'll have within embedded in their own organization, like hackers that will go after journalists or anyone that they deem like you know, against their efforts, against their business a lot of the time. And like, they'll straight out just kill them, you know? They'll find them, kill them, string them up, and then basically put a, put them as a warning for everyone else to see that, hey, you don't mess with us. And that very same tactic is done a lot of the time by governments in other countries, usually. I mean, I don't know how much of that is happening here, but I can only imagine if it's happened before, it's probably happened right now. You know, you just don't hear about it. A lot of the time, you really don't hear about these incidents, and that's the pro. I think that's the problem. I think that's why people deny it. I think that's why people are just, in generally, just not concerned with talking about. It. Not because they're not afraid, but just because, like I said earlier, I just think it's too much to even handle by yourself. You know, and like people don't want to talk about it. And it's unfortunate that it's at that level, but like that's how real the corruption is in, in our like societies, you know? Like a lot of these people are running our countries or mafiosos. It makes me think that we should we need to compile and like make accessible precautionary actions and tactics, things that can be done. But then like the reality is they're gathering data, yes, and we should guard against that, but then what's the practice that's done with that data on behalf of white supremacists, organized white supremacists, as part of or trying to say they're not the state or on all levels. And so that, to me, like has a direct action component too of it. It's like developing precautionary actions in our in planning and day-to-day and then also, we're still continuing on that to chip away at that, like, what is the alternative to the police? Like, what are the alternative means if something goes down? The police, you call the police on some white supremacists, and they're chill. They're fine with each other. Yeah, they, that you just know. happened in Orange County. They're going to fav- favor them. They're going to, you know, probably reinforce whatever trauma um, is happening. Earlier when we were talking, I was thinking about... I don't know when I found this out. Maybe it was like 2015 or 2014. 
But in the last 10 years, there's been a blossoming of academia merging with the state to develop counter surveillance with the use of social media. And so there's a program, they call them counterterrorism uh, programs, but they're really just mass surveillance programs that are criminalizing particular parts of the community. And so the University of Maryland has one, and up until 2012, their main focus and all of their research funding, so they get lots of money to do this, they have an entire program set to it, was focused on basically Islamophobia, basically profiling people that were Muslim or from the Middle East and developing surveillance on them, which happens, this is a program of the federal government and the University of Maryland, while also is happening right on the streets of LA through Special Order One and through surveillance and things that are happening. And then in 2011, they changed their categories to include and or people, domestic radicals radicalized by the Occupy movement. So, Shout out. Yeah, this is a counterterrorism unit at Maryland University Whoa. that specifically was studying people who were profiled. And then also the second criteria was, and they were, the reason I found this is because they were hiring a data analyst to go through social media of people radicalized during Occupy. And are considered <laughs> no, I, know, I know, it's hilarious. But I was just kind of blown away at the time of learning that. And so it just is a larger point of like, it's the state, it's these, it's these groups, but it's also like becoming more and more part of the structure of society. All the institutions that already exist to assimilate folks and maintain oppression will branch out to support the surveillance of the state, will comply against you. Like these apps that we have, they'll turn over our information, whether... You know, while they make their money. Whatever precautions we take. The FBI is trying to create, you know, a youth um, snitching program at LAUSD. See something, say something. If if a student seems too radical, is too into politics, Whoa. is too into their culture. So all of these racialized um, surveillance terms being used locally. Yeah, I've seen... This was a while, uh, a while back, too. It was the Metro. They had their own app where it was basically see something, say something. But it was like this weird, creepy icon where it was like a, you know, I mean, it just like the stoic is crazy, you know? I don't know. It's, I think it's it's gone to this ridiculous point where I don't know if there's a point back, point of, you know, return. A lot of the sort of, things like that we use like Tor they come out of the Pentagon and they come from that same sort of um, academic explorative you know research department which is interesting because the reason why Tor was opened up to everyone was because like spooks needed more people to hide so that it wouldn't be obvious that that's like who was using it but like there's still this like weird feeling of like a lot of the people who are now working for a lot of the anti-surveillance organizations come from the Pentagon, come from like the government. And so the whole protection behind it is that's supposed, that these things are supposed to be open source so that if there's anything, then like you would be able to see it. But I've always wondered... Is there a backdoor? Well, yeah, because everyone's like, well, you know, I've had this conversation with people and they're like, well, you have to be targeted for there to be a backdoor. But I'm like, what if phones are coming with the backdoor installed? You know, yeah. then... You know, yeah, let's still use these things, but, like, who's saying they're not a backdoor on all our phones? Like, if who's saying there's not on all the new iPhones, like, going to be a backdoor? And the whole point of making a certain technology obsolete is so that they can make sure that everyone has a backdoor installed into it. 
I mean, I'm sure if it's not happening, that's what they're working on making happen. I don't see, I don't see that being like too far fetched. I mean, it, like, isn't that what like Prism was? And like, I forgot what their order number is, but basically, it just passed where basically FBI can like hack anyone, and yeah. through FBI, that means law enforcement can hack anyone. And so there's like really this sort of thing about like the feds kind of like empowering law enforcement to be able to do a lot and it's really creepy on like so many levels there's a culture i feel like now there's more of a culture of people covering up their computer cameras but i think we need to start having a culture where we cover up our um our cell phone cameras it's really creepy i'm just thinking about about it right now i'm looking at my phone right now i'm like it's got two cameras one on one on the other end and one on the other end yeah and people use their phone when they're on the toilet you know what i mean and you're like think and then you think about police officers and you think about, I'm thinking about the people I know from high school who are cops. Them having that <laughs> access at their fingertip and the type of people who become feds and the type of people who become the people that surveil. Yes. And like and who are quick to use violence. Yeah. enjoy the authority complex. Yes. And like, who are they spying on? You know, like, they're like, what are they looking like? Whose private lives are they seeping into? And it's really gross and disgusting and it violates so much aspects of consent. And that's why it's like, and that's why we're a rape culture society because we don't really respect consent on every level and so it's like by enforcing that surveillance technology like the state surveillance culture is rape culture i think there needs to be more sort of i don't know like we need magneto you know what i mean like it's like what are we gonna do to like destroy it's like well that's why i'm not super pro like technology futurist person it scares me it terrifies me i can't watch dystopic stuff because i'm like that is the future that are the present you know and so it's like while we're sitting here watching westworld i'm like look and (laughs) you know and the media and you get la times african post and all these media is really trying to push virtual reality i'm like forget virtual reality i don't we don't need virtual reality we need to deal with the reality we're in like I don't trust the rich or the powerful with technology because we only show that it's going to be used against us. And you think of who the tech bros are, and <laughs> and it's like, oh, and then all you have all these tech companies saying like, oh, we're not going to work with the feds to make a, like a Muslim registry bull. You know what I mean? They're, that's going to happen. Like it's already been happening. You haven't stopped working with them on like all these other like invasive aspects. Why would you then? You know, they say one thing and they get the headline while they're working on the product already, or why they already have it. You know. We need to be going at the tech industry just as much and individuals who opt in to make that money and to be a part of that machine because the state isn't just this wall, this entity, it's individuals making this happen, like people who choose to opt in that, like they're the enemy as well. And like, you know, I'm sure people have friends who work in this business and they're not to be trusted because like... They're making it. Trusted because like... They're making it. Yeah, they're making it. And it's like you think about everything that, you know, Google and Amazon and... Like all these big corporations, what are they going for? They're going for drones and they're going for AI. And like AI is the big thing right now. It's like the best, it's the big, uh, I feel like it's the, I mean, I don't have the metaphor for it, but I just think like it's the, it's the next big thing. It's, it's what everyone wants to do. Everyone's developing it. I'm like, is Skynet already here? Like, do I even have to ask that question? It just feels like it's here. The like supercomputer, that's yeah, what they want, right? They want a supercomputer. They want a supercomputer super that can 
not only drone anybody yeah and it's it's affecting it's going to affect all of us because like the robots are going to replace us right where are we going are we going to get our basic income like what where are we going with this (laughs) like i think it's it's getting to that point where these decisions are being made for us and like we don't have an input just like when you go to work you don't have an input on what you're going to do or what you're going to say and like you are driven from like from start to finish from child to death you know you're cra- like that's the cradle that you're like born you're being controlled and like i feel like it all fits into this conversation of like security control because i mean security culture because what do you do by changing your behavior to, f- to go against like these things that are trying to be done to you because they are very much so every day you know i think the changing behavior is like it's very hard to do and like that's something that i feel like that they bank on because the behavior is that you do want to use their apparatuses you do want to use their technology they make it alluring like they're partnered with social uh basically like the social sciences where they're like studying people their psychology what they want and it all starts in advertising it all started with advertising because that's who was psychologically profiling people in order to sell their products and then the government took over and i feel like a lot of those things overlap with one another and like i feel like when we talk about business we have to talk about government because that's where they get their ideas from like from the get you know and they get popularized and normalized and by the time the government does it like we're not fearing what they're going to do with it because it's already been you know accepted before then yeah, it kind of reminds me of, like, there is nothing more better marketed than the state itself. Like, that is essentially every war that is fought has, like, extensive media propaganda campaigns, Hollywood Industrial Complex reinforcing that through movies and videos. Um, and then if a state exists, you automatically need security culture is also because... It's the conversation that's happening in the mainstream, like, oh, will the state do this or will the state do that? Meanwhile, the state's doing this over here, which is, like, incorporating all of the bad aspects of that. Um, Because when you're like, oh, are we going to create this racist registration list, like, this year versus last year when they made the Kill Matrix, which is also a racialized profiling list, or when they made, they were talking about creating a restrictions um, gun ownership by using like unaccountable profiling without any convictions or anything like so you know it's what are the words they're using to maintain legitimacy it's also people still want to fix the political system like it's like we sec- security culture is necessary because we do lack consent and that is because there is a state because the state is like an apparatus that thinks that it owns everybody and that everyone is a subject of the state. Um, And so if we want to oppose surveillance, to me that's an aspect of, goes goes back to abolish the state. What's the goal? What's the goal? Because um, you can't get rid of surveillance without looking at the state, because who is developing it and wielding it and affecting it funding the research behind it um perfecting it and then marketing it back to us and then as they're using it 
aggressively um, and violently and destructively and according to a hierarchy that serves profit. Um, so, yep. <laughs> Security culture against the state, I guess. Culture against the state. Right. Uh, thank you so much, everyone, for listening to On Resistance and uh, J Squared, Bobby, and me as we discuss security culture um, in different ways uh, towards like things that we can prepare for, technology, all of that stuff. If you want to hear our past shows, please visit soundcloud.com slash on-resistance. Uh, we're also on Facebook and onresistanceradio at gmail.com. Thank you. Consent against the state. Yeah.